Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Richard Kunst. I'm here along with Cindy Jennings. And we are coming to you with the Duluth version of Real Presence Live. We are... I'm on air from the uh, uh, St. James Catholic Parish Gathering Space, also the St. James Campus of Stella Mars Academy. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Father. Did you How was a, your weekend? I was just going to ask you, but you know, before we do that, let's do an opening prayer as we like to start every one of our, every one of our uh, shows with an opening prayer. So start in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us this morning as we go through another edition of Real Presence Live. May your name be glorified in all things, be with our guests, but mostly with our listeners. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, well, so how was your uh, your weekend, your long weekend? It was peaceful. We didn't have any, we had no soccer, nothing um, oh. crazy. So it was an open, stay home weekend. It was well, great. What about you? So you liked it? Well, I mean, it was, yeah. a, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I mean, the whole Memorial Day thing. We did a, I did a little bit of a Memorial Day prayer, but it was all done uh, virtually, you know. And so they they're still doing that. I don't know why, but uh, and then we had Mass, you know, where we really uh, prayed for those that had uh, served our country. And so I love I love to really focus on the purpose of these long weekends and Memorial Day is like one of the more important ones. So, but it was a good weekend, and um, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was fun. It was good to have. It feels like Monday now, doesn't it? It does feel like Monday. Yeah, but yeah. it's Tuesday. Did you know it's Tuesday? I did know it okay. was Tuesday. It's going to mess me up all week. We, we, have, sure. we, have a, we have a good show today. And actually, I'm, I'm most looking forward to our first guest, only because I know him so well. And I, and I, think, he's, I think he's actually on, on the uh, line right now. Father Adrian, are you there? Uh, Father Kunst, I am. Very good to be with you. Hey, it's good to be with you. So, um, uh, so uh, Father Adrian, of course you know me, but Cindy is my co-host, and so she might chime in with a question. But she usually tends to be pretty quiet, but... If she's really got some wise thoughts, she'll throw something out there. But Father Adrian, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I was ordained in 2015 uh, here in Cincinnati, priest, Ohio. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of right. The wood is still green. Yep. Um, but uh, I am with a community of priests uh, at the parish that I reside, Old St. Mary's uh, Parish downtown Cincinnati. Um, but it's the Oratory of St. Philip Neri. Um, and St. Philip Neri lived in the 16th century, born in 1515, died in 1595. Um, so the Oratory uh, has been around for quite a while. Uh, it never got as big as, say, the Jesuits or the Franciscans, um, but it has, uh, has, has been there for some time. And Cardinal Newman, the newly named saint, uh, John Henry Newman, uh, is part of that tradition. A lot of people will certainly know that name and recognize that name. Uh, but we were formally um, established in 2017 uh, by the Holy Father, um, and my assignments are I'm a parochial vicar at two of our parishes, one of the local hospitals where I'm a chaplain, and then one of the local, um, the county jail, um, the chaplain there as well. Uh, so kind of in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's where I am and who I'm with and generally what we do. Wow, so, um, I mean, have you ever been worried that you might not get out of that jail when you're going doing ministry? 
Uh, I tell you what, when you, that first time you hear the door uh, close and everything starts slamming, you start sweating a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> they, they continue to let me out for now. We'll see. Okay. Well, good. So, uh, and you reside in the city of Cincinnati, uh, okay. where Archbishop Schnur is the archbishop. Um, as you know him very well. He used to be yes. your own bishop. Um, but yeah, downtown Cincinnati. All right. Well, great. So um, we got you on the air. Uh, in part because of, uh, you know, you and I have some similar interests. I mean, you know, a lot of people, I think that maybe know me, know that I'm kind of a, got a weird hobby and that your hobby kind of intersects with mine a little bit. Why don't you talk a little bit about what your, uh, what your interests are? Uh, so uh, the, the um, reclaiming, I guess, if you will, the, the patrimony of the church in terms of uh, her relics, um, you know, the relics of uh, saints, martyrs in particular, um, something that the church has always always uh, done, uh, going from the first days in the catacombs where um, the remains of, of martyrs were were venerated and became pilgrim sites, uh, pilgrimage sites, uh, even back to the time of Elijah, where you see Elijah's cloak is handed on to Elisha, the prophets, and um, so it's always been part of uh, that kind of tradition. But um, the lives of the saints have always been particularly of interest to me, and uh, it was actually my grandmother uh, where I first obtained um, the first relic I ever had, uh, um, and she gave it to me while I was in the seminary, and um, she found it in an antique shop. She was just kind of shopping. I found it in there and thought, well, this is not right, uh, and uh, found, a, found a new home for it, um, which kind of speaks to um, sort of a loss in the sense of the sacredness of those items, uh, just with like markets like eBay and different auction houses and antique dealers and things like that. So when you, um, say, when you say reclaiming the patrimony, why don't, you, why don't you maybe unpack that a little bit? So um, what I would kind of say and term that as is they always, reliquaries and relics and things like that have always had um, a very pronounced place in the church. Um, you know, if you go to France or other um, European cathedrals, um, they have places that are almost distinguished as sites of relics where the, where the remains of saints and things that they used were kept. Um, and then, and probably in the last 100 years, 50 years particularly, um, people were, you know, changing churches and renovating churches and things like that often would get rid of them. Um, and uh, I think a lot of people uh, have lost uh, a sense of that kind of connection uh, to our saints and to um, the nearness of their intercession and their, their good example. Uh, but modern modern saints like uh, Saint Therese and Padre Pio, uh, I think, have helped in their popularity and people kind of getting a sense of that nearness again. Um, but for me, uh, having that kind of tangible uh, reminder of you know our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who have run the race already before us, um, that tangible um, you know, connection to them, I think, is very powerful. Uh, and so hoping to see these things uh, used in churches and uh, and for people to actually see them, touch them, and pray with them uh, is certainly something that I see is, is incredibly valuable for the faithful. Now, let me, you know, I'd, I'd started the uh, interview with you and talking about how our collections kind of, our interests kind of intersect, but, um, uh, you know, I mean, where, where they intersect, because I'm not really, I don't really collect relics per se, but one thing that you are very interested in that is not traditionally considered relics where they maybe our interests intersect is that you're also very interested in like letters, documents, things that are signed by the saints. That would be more in my level of interest. And then maybe even, you know, when we think of relics, we think of like little tiny, tiny little uh, relics. But 
another part of uh, of interest that where our interests intersect is like maybe what we'd call larger second class relics. Maybe you can speak to both of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of blame you uh, for getting me <laughs> so interested in autographs and things like that, because at first it just started with, you know, like you said, the small thicas and the small reliquaries, uh, which are still, you know, main main passion. Uh, but, you know, in the time uh, that I've been collecting, I've been able to find letters. Uh, so I have three letters from St. Francis de Sales. Uh, so he's actually a patron uh, of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, which is kind of special in its own way, um, but a renowned um, master of the spiritual life and spiritual direction, um, working closely with Jane de Chantal and and so many others, and a doctor of the church. Uh, so I have three of those, and it's just incredibly personal to just see like what their handwriting was, to see and listen and hear the, the affection of their words and to see their signatures. Um, other second-class relics um, that are kind of particularly neat, um, one that I have is the heel of the shoe of St. John Vianney. Oh, yeah. He was the patron saint of uh, all priests these days, not just parish priests, but all priests. Um, just something that ordinary but so connected to him, I think it's just powerful to see. So it's in a very interesting reliquary. It's two-sided. So on the one side, you have the heel of his shoe, and if you flip it around, um, it's, a, it's a holy picture that he signed, and he had a very bold signature, as you know, um, and he signed um, on the other side. So it's, it's incredibly neat, things that he would have just had part of his daily life and just would have been operating with. Um, something else, uh, like the entire cassock sleeve of... Um, Pope Pius X, I have one of those, um, which is, is very neat to see with the change in the cassock, the watered silk. and um, There's also, uh, from Padre Pio, I have something that's kind of neat. He, um, he's said to have given holy cards um, to, his, uh, to his spiritual directories, and he would write just kind of a pious little note or phrase to them and sign it, and um, I'm blessed enough to have one of those. So even in his own signature, you see the blue ballpoint pen and writing to a particular person, um, and just very, very neat, very, very personal. Uh, and then one other thing, probably this is probably the biggest relic that I acquired, which is still um, very important in my collection, uh, but another uh, familiar saint, I think, to, to many people, uh, St. Camillus de Lellis. Uh, there's actually a very large document that he signs in uh, it's, was it, 1599 um, when it's dated, uh, but just another very bold signature. And what the document says is that um, it's, he, so he was the founder of the hospitalers, and the document explains to someone essentially being um, enrolled in what we know as third orders and things like that, um, but someone participating in the spiritual benefits of his order and saying uh, all these things that uh, are, are given as participation in that, and then himself as the founder of the order signing it um, right there. It, it, it's just incredible to see. Uh, and then I guess well, he's your favorite saint, uh, Pope John Paul II. I'll mention this one, too. Uh, in the last year, uh, I was very blessed, very lucky, uh, to obtain uh, a chalice that Pope St. John Paul II used at Mass himself, uh, and I use that regularly as uh, one of the chalices and locations where I serve to offer Mass with, and that's just, you know, someone that recent and that known and that heroic. It's really incredible. So, since he's my favorite saint, maybe you should probably donate that? <laughs> I, was, I was hesitant to even bring it up. I thought <laughs> you, might, uh, you might mention something. <laughs> 
No, our, um, uh, Cindy is not. Uh, Cindy's having problems with our uh, sound. But anyhow, um, uh, I'll ask you another question. So, you, you because we do uh, because we do um, uh, have intersecting interests. Tell us maybe a little bit how how you get how you get these things and uh, um, uh, and maybe how you and I have worked together with it. Sure. Um, so, first off, um, the more people you know, the easier it is to kind of come in contact with. Um, with these different items, um, but a big one, uh, as you well know, and kind of tipped me off to, um, but in, in Europe, a lot of the um, monasteries and things are liquidating items and unfortunately, very unfortunately, are closing and it continues to kind of uh, happen, but various people in auction houses, they will go in there and they'll kind of swoop these things up and they'll put them on the market, which, you know, of course, is very unfortunate uh, just in principle. Um, but the, those are those are main places where one is able to kind of uh, see these things and rescue these things uh, and bring them back um, to to you know their proper place in the church. Um, you have quite a network of people that you know, which has been helpful to me. <laughs> um, but uh, sharing kind of ideas, especially you know where our um, interests overlap, or you have something distinct and I have something distinct, um, being able to tip off uh, fellow collectors to to rescue these things, um, and then also uh, something that I uh, like to do uh, and try to do very often, and I think is probably the best way to ultimately do it, but just writing to the um, the orders themselves of these. Uh, of these various saints. Uh, so, for example, writing to the postulator of the Carmelites for relics of uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Avila, um, and St. John of the Cross, uh, and others uh, like that. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, eBay is still very active in what it does. Uh, and there's and, a lot of fakes out there. I mean, I'd, say, I'd, I'd honestly say that, you know, for the listeners that might be looking for you know, oh, I'm going to find a, a, a relic on eBay or something like that. I would say in the last few years, the the majority, maybe even the vast majority of relics that are quote-unquote offered on eBay are actually fake. Uh, you are absolutely correct. Uh, I would caution anyone very, very much, especially in today's uh, kind of market. When I first started just, you know, six years ago and a couple of years before that, there were very good chances that what you were looking at um, were, were, were real, were legitimate, were authentic. Um, and today, uh, there are so many, so many fakes with just laser jet printers, all these different things, um, people trying to make an easy buck. Um, and, you know, when you're seeing things like the, um, the True Cross uh, and, and other very big relics just constantly on there, you know something's not right in the water. Um, but they are constantly passing these things off. And if you're not um, aware of the situation, you sort of take things in good faith and can easily be duped. But uh, the majority, um, if, if you're in that, I absolutely ask someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, because it's really not that difficult to tell uh, the fakes apart when you know what you're doing. But you have to know what you're doing. Uh, and there's certain things that you look for, and they're easily compared. Um, but another caution would be the the newer relics, um, because they're so easily kind of mimicked uh, from what the various orders and things put out, which is why uh, in pursuing uh, newer saints, I always try to go to the order directly 
mm-hmm. that's the surest way of getting what um, you know something authentic. Um, but the older reliquaries uh, and older documents are very helpful to to kind of distinguish. But even um, even with those, there are a handful of people, especially you know, there's a couple dealers out of Italy uh, that really like to um, imitate uh, the older documents and things like that. And they do and a good job. Are, yeah, some of them are pretty good, uh, and you have oh. to be careful. Um, but you get excited, and you kind of you're seeing all these things, and it's you just have to really tread lightly and. And, and one, of the things, one of the things I want to double down on, because as people are listening to this conversation, and I get this often, I'm sure you do as well, is that, that you know, I mean, well, Father, you can't buy and sell relics, which is absolutely accurate. And so I like the terminology when you say, uh, the phrase that you say is, you uh, use, reclaiming our patrimony. And so, you know, I mean, these things are unfortunately on the market. There is a market for them. They shouldn't be on the market. But as you were saying earlier, and just f- for the listeners to make make sure that they hear this correctly, is that, that this is not simony in regards to purchasing these holy items for profit. It is to protect them and to reclaim them for the church for what they belong and to get them off of the market. Absolutely. There's a real sense of rescuing these things and, and getting them back into the churches for their original purpose, which is to have that connection with the saints on uh, the intercession and so that they're venerated and loved and treated as they, as they should be. Um, so that's, that's, that is a very important distinction. Um, that is very, because, yeah, simony, of course, has always been considered a very, very serious uh, sin by the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so buying and selling both, both uh, parts of it. So, um, if, if I, I would not encourage people to kind of just say, well, I want a little, you know, private relic for myself, and so I'm going to kind of go, um, looking for that. Rather, having a real purpose that um, this is going to be used in the church, uh, it's going to be used on a wider scale for um, you know for the faithful to see the virtues of that saints, to imitate their life, um, and to build a spiritual relationship, a connection uh, with them. So, all the things that I have and acquired, um, the intention is that um, they're they're there to teach and to help foster the spiritual relationship and to be protected and venerated. Yeah. I think that, you know, I mean, in my experiences going down there and visiting with um, uh, uh, Archbishop Schnur and, uh, um, uh, you know, visiting you, is that there's a much more of a sense of, Cincinnati has a much more uh, rich uh, experience and tradition with relics than what my diocese does. There's really no um, churches around here in Duluth that has a real good display of relics, but even in your own church, there, I, I remember going and visiting you, I was very impressed with the relics that were displayed there. How do people respond to that sort of thing? Uh, they they love it. Uh, the more that they know and the more that they see, uh, they are just kind of um, enamored by it. Uh, our, the reliquary in the church, the main one, has over three hundred of these of these relics, and we have a pamphlet that sit out that sit out there uh, has all the names, everyone who's in there, where they're located, uh, and we can't keep them in there fast enough. People are wow. constantly taking those uh, those pamphlets to to come there and venerate it. We've had the heart of St. John Vianney come to the church, and we had just lines and lines and lines of people waiting all day just to venerate it. And we actually have um, something very special in our main altar of our church, the, the, all the mortal remains of St. Martyr. She's an obscure Roman martyr, uh, but she was gifted to the church, all of her remains gifted to the church by um, Pope Leo XIII, and then the archbishop at that time, and turned her uh, in that altar. So you can see she has, um, there's a glass opening that's beautifully decorated, uh, and people can see that, and they, and they love it. 
That's fascinating. We'll, we'll get a little bit more uh, to that, Father Adrian Hilton, after this break. We've been talking to Father Adrian Hilton on Real Presence Live, and we'll get back to this conversation very briefly. Thank you, Father. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Tim Smith from Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich. You're invited Saturday, June 5th for all-day Eucharistic adoration, a Eucharistic miracles exhibit, and solemn mass of the most holy body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, Corpus Christi, at 7.15 p.m. with an outdoor Eucharistic procession to follow. You can get more information about this event at www.holycrossipswich.org. God bless you, and praise be Jesus Christ. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Real Presence of the vast listening area. This is our Duluth edition of the show, and my name is Father Richard Kunst, and I am actually accompanying with Cindy Jennings, but she's having problems with her headset, and so she's just going to be quiet for the for the remainder at least of this guest but you can i can assure you that cindy is here and we are talking to father adrian hilton out of the diocese of cincinnati at least that's where he is living and we are talking about um uh you know the shared interest that he and i have in regards to uh, uh reclaiming the patrimony basically of the church and we're talking about in a specific way about relics and um uh Maybe, uh, you know, Father Adrian, we had, we had kind of cut off because of the break a little bit, but maybe speak a little bit more to people's response to relics. I know, I mean, so you got you got a great, um, uh, in your church that you serve, the parish that you serve, there's a really um, a clear spirit of the, the saints' relics. But for your own, you know, I mean, when you've brought your own collection out of whether they're letters signed by saints or relics themselves uh, to people, how have people responded to your to your own personal uh collection of, of, the, of them, if you will. 
Uh, so they respond very powerfully. Um, they always, it's kind of one of those things when you just hear a little bit, you want to keep hearing more. Uh, and just it, totally fascinated. As, I didn't know these things were out there. I thought they were only in museums. I thought they were only in churches. Where, where do they come from? How do you, how do you acquire them? Um, but, uh, something that, um, you know, I've, even at, even at the hospital, uh, I have uh, s- some relics of Padre Pio that I that I keep here and that I use for blessings uh, for the sick. Uh, so one of the relics that I have um, is from the bandages um, from his stigmata on his hand. So there's some of the blood on there. Uh, but I'll take those to the hospital um, hospital rooms and give blessings to to the sick and to the dying. Um, and people are just so moved. I mean, even just brought to tears at times. Um, another thing that we do, um, that I do with my collection, uh, uh, try on, on the, on the particular feast day of the saint, um, to bring those relics to, to the masses that I have, whether they're at their parish or whether at the hospital, um, that sort of thing. And something that people have really kind of, um, taken a liking to, um, and really enjoy is after mass getting a blessing with the relic. Uh, and, you know, pre COVID times, of course, uh, the, Typically, what would happen is you'd come forward, you'd you'd receive a blessing, and then you'd venerate it by giving the relic a kiss. Um, COVID's got us down on that a little bit, but uh, still able to uh, come forward, get the blessing, uh, maybe touch the the head or something like that. Um, but <clears throat> um, people are just very very um, empowered by that. Another thing, I have a I have a tremendous uh, devotion to Saint Therese, and every year we have a big mass for Saint Therese. And I have, uh, I, my goal is to get um, all of the, the relics associated with her. So I have some hair, some, uh, some of the muscles, some bone. Um, I have some of the wood floor from the infirmary where she died. I have some of the wood floor from her cell where she lived and prayed each and every day. Uh, I have her, um, her signature of her, of her oldest sister, Pauline. Uh, signed uh, Mary Agnes uh, of Jesus, uh, which is very, very special, um, and other things associated with her. And those are always brought out um, for her feast day for people to see and to venerate. Another thing that I have uh, from from her pieces of her coffin, but I have a decent um, chunk of lead uh, from her coffin, which was, uh, by the Carmelites, transformed um, and placed on marble, with her death date and all, all those sorts of things on it, uh, and it's really really neat. Um, but things like that, people just love those, and we have a blessing of roses, and we give the roses out, um, and it's 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 just a very special thing. And people are um, <laughs> now they're kind of expecting these things to be there, which is which is kind of fun. Um, and then I've given different talks to uh, school children locally um, and uh, different groups uh, like that. Which is which has been great. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, you're bringing up Saint Therese. I'm sure to drop some hints to me to acquire. Yeah, you have something well, that I've always been interested in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that off the air. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. uh, um, uh, so we, I think we met primarily through Archbishop Schnur. He had told me that you were a young seminarian at the time about a young seminarian that was really wet behind the ears. I didn't know what he was doing, but wanted to yeah. <laughs> learn a little bit more about relics. And then I came, then I actually came down to Cincinnati and gave um, a few different talks, a few different parishes, and I think that's where we probably first maybe really met. I can't remember. but um, yeah. uh, So we, we do work together. I mean, we both scour the Internet at different times of the day, and uh, we kind of have a, a gentleman's agreement. Uh, maybe you want to speak a little bit to that. 
Sure. Uh, so, yeah, as you said, various times of the day, um, and it's it's kind of fascinating that just in a moment, uh, something new can come up, uh, and you will have missed it, um, and who knows. But uh, whoever sees it first uh, stakes a claim on it, and right. um, they... <laughs> Between they you and I, anyhow. Exactly. I. Um, to, to see the auction through wherever that uh, ends up going. Um, but there have been items uh, just that you've passed along that you see that I would be definitely interested, but don't necessarily fit with your collection, and and vice versa. I remember, um, oh, that papal mace from Pius X, that, you know, in my own search, found it, passed it off to you, and you have it now in your collection. Um, But uh, vice versa, um, there's a gentleman out of Belgium uh, who, you know, deal a lot in these things, and you got me in connection with him. And one of the things that I got from him that um, I'll always sort of be indebted to you because of that connection was um, a paver stone from St. John Vianney's first bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, which is very, very neat, just the place that he lived, literally. And it's the full one, the six-by-six paver stone. Um, but that kind of teamwork, I think, um, in its own kind of unique way, has been, been excellent. Uh, for this this idea of like we're saying like we're, we've been saying reclaiming this patrimony because um, it, it's not so much that it this has got to be in my collection but that mm-hmm. this is going to be for the church and it's going to be used in the church and um, so very happy to to work together for those things uh, and I'm yeah I'm forever indebted to you uh, in that regard well uh, because for, even no. go ahead no I was going to say even that. Um, autograph that I have um, from St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, which is, people love seeing that. That was uh, as a result of uh, your kind of assistance. And so it, it's, it's really a great uh, partnership, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, and then, you know, I mean, I think I've been at this quite a bit longer than you have, but I still uh, bounce things off of you. It's like, I mean, Again, this might be boring to the listeners, but uh, uh, as right. two, two people that are fellow um, uh, um, collectors of reclaiming the patrimony, if you will, and working together thanks to the internet, is that that you know we have different interests and and different maybe skills, and so sometimes I'll say, well, do you think this is authentic? I'll forward it to you. It's like, what's your take on this? What's your opinion on it? And then and that happens vice versa. It's always interesting because we we sen- sometimes come away with different uh, ideas and opinions on things. But uh, one of the things that we've talked a lot about lately is actually St. Teresa of Avila. Maybe you want to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so she, um, so my mother is from Spain, actually, in uh, Sevilla, so southern Spain. So I've always had a personal devotion to uh, Teresa of Avila to begin with. But I remember even just, uh, so you have, you actually have her autograph, which is, yes. I think is incredible. But that's just another example. I had missed it. Um, based on when you were looking when I was looking and you were the one that got it and that's where God wanted the uh, the item to go and it did um, but there was another auction that came up this must have been maybe a year and a half ago maybe two years even but um, there was a medallion um, that uh, you had seen and you forwarded it on to me which was believed to be her uh, signature uh, and it was it was very faded very difficult to kind of um, uh, to kind of tell what exactly we were looking at and you kind of kept encouraging me based on your expertise with handwriting and, and that sort of a sort of thing which is invaluable to me um, encouraging me to to, uh, to do it and I I went for it and I got it 
And um, the reliquary itself comes from a long, well, it's been happening for a number of centuries now, where she was such a prolific writer uh, that her autographs, kind of just that part began to be clipped and placed into these reliquaries. Um, some even that, not just the, uh, the autograph, but more fragments of her writing. And um, the medallion that I that I obtained uh, was, the glass was uh, a little, it was loose enough to kind of take it off. And so I took it off to see if there might be more in there. And there was a lot uh, of, yeah. of fragments in there. And, and that just happened the other day, right? I mean, you just did this the other day. Right. So I've had the medallion, uh, the reliquary for, like I said, close to two years, but just just thinking, I'm going to investigate a little further here and opening up. And so um, at uh, your kind of advice to to try and contact uh, experts with the Carmelites and the Carmelites themselves to, to look at and get their take on, on the matter, because the things that I... Um, was finding in there very, very, very closely in some instances uh, resemble her her handwriting, and if that's all um, comes to a positive conclusion, I mean that would be just a major, a major acquisition at that point. And wouldn't you Much owe me? Than, wouldn't you owe me something for that? Yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that would. Uh, I would definitely be indebted to you in some way uh, for for years. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What's um, your what would you what would you say your favorite piece is? Oh, so my favorite piece is the the skull of Saint Severinus. Uh, he was um, a Roman soldier and a martyr, and for me, immediately. Um, substantial relics, that's kind of how they're referred to. So you have the little ones and the little cases, like we were talking about earlier, just the small pieces. Uh, but the substantial pieces, uh, either like an entire arm bone or um, teeth or uh, things like that. But I always wanted um, to to obtain... <laughs> People probably think this guy's bizarre. Um, but obtain... <laughs> yeah, um, not, the listeners yeah. are hearing it now. Yes, yeah, right. You are bizarre. Uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> to obtain... Uh, the, the full skull of a of a martyr, and I thought this is never going to happen. Maybe fifty years after doing this, or something like that. But uh, a couple years ago, uh, and again, this is through kind of teamwork with you, um, teamwork with you, that it even happened. But uh, I obtained it, and it's in a beautiful reliquary. It has all the paperwork and things with it. Um, and the religious orders, they have what are, what are called chapter rooms. And in these chapter rooms, they have their formal votes and discussions uh, about the formal business of the community. And so they typically have an altar in them. And uh, so this, this skull of St. Severinus um, is placed under the altar in our chapter room. So we see it with great regularity, and um, at times we'll we'll bring it out, obviously, so people can um, you know venerate and, and see it and study it. Uh, but we kind of call him the the protector, the guardian of the chapter room. Um, but he's kind of an interesting story. So the Pope uh, Gregory the Sixteenth uh, ordered his uh, his catacomb space to be exhumed, and because he was a soldier, uh, he was buried with. Um, three or four others, and there was no distinguishing marks as to this is St. Severinus or this one is, so they kind of all, they all took on the name 
uh, of being Saint Severinus. Uh, but Saint Severinus and his companions are in there, and this is the the skull of one of one of those. Um, and it came from a uh, closed chapel. You know, like we were saying, these things closing um, earlier, but a closed chapel uh, in Belgium. And uh, very happy to to have it back in a prayerful spot and associated with the altar, just like the um, you know the relics of the, of the martyrs, especially always being associated with the holy sacrifice of the mass and the altar. Uh, and so that's very very special. Um, and that is very very much a part of what my main interest would be. So the the relics of the saints themselves. And so that is just a spectacular um, piece that I you know can only thank God that's that's what he wanted and it'll be it'll be protected in with the oratory uh for years and years to come. And that one's all documented, right? I mean the documentation's even yep. impressive with that piece. Yep, which is which is incredible <laughs> because it, even that document that, that's where you get all the information so it explains uh why it was exhumed to who at whose order. So the fact that it came from the order of Gregory the 16th um and the Jesuits following through with that order it's uh it's just a really special piece in and of itself like you like you said. Um but yeah, I think that's got to be my favorite favorite item. We have uh, we have Cindy back on the I'm air. I'm back. Cindy. Yes, you're a little off. Okay, though, <laughs> Father Adrian, so good to talk to you. Finally, likewise. Thanks for um, having me. Uh, I just want to kind of know in your collection what is your favorite piece. I know. Oh, well, I just that's what I just asked. Oh, you just said. did. Oh, you're not paying attention. I had to go to the restroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might want to well, come up with okay. a different one. All right. So, um, is there anything in Father's collection that you oh, would boy. like to have? Oh boy. <laughs> Well, there's more than one thing, but um, oh, <laughs> the uh, there's two things uh, that he has that I well, I'm going to say three things and say them quickly. So the autograph of Saint Teresa of Avila, I just I love that. Um, but now that I have my own, I can kind of uh, leave that at bay. <laughs> uh, but the other is that I always ask him about, and he knows what I'm going to say now. But it's an association with Saint uh, Teresa of Lisieux. Um, uh, the little flower, but he has an entire brick uh, from the infirmary where she died. Um, I said, I have just a little tiny piece of wood from the floor in there, but to have that that big uh, of, uh, you know, what we would say substantial relics, an entire brick like that is very, very special. I've always kind of really wanted it. Um, and he knows that. <laughs> so laying it on pretty thick. Um, but the other thing that he has uh, that I've always loved, and it was another thing where I just kind of missed it, but he has the entire collar uh, of Pope St. Pius X, and I have, a, I have a strong devotion to Pius X myself. And he has, they call it a rabbi. Uh, it's a little bit of uh, some silk that goes below the collar, but he has the entire rabbi, the entire collar, and it's just very, very impressive. So it would go really well with the cassock sleeve that I have with him, just in case, you just you know, just so you know, it would go really, really well. Well, I'll uh, work on. Unfortunately, it. Father Adrian, yeah. we do not, we do not have time to tell you the th- for me to say what things of yours that I would like. So, I know, so, I so, want to know. <laughs> so, uh, but we're we're up against a, a break right now. But Father uh, uh, Adrian, thank you very much. It's been a great topic. Of course, it's a topic of fascination and interest of mine as a shared interest. But also, I think our listeners, as you've mentioned, are really, really into learning about this stuff and learning about the patrimony of our church. But thank you very much for uh, for joining us. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a real privilege and a pleasure. So, all right, great. God bless all you do. God, God all bless. Right. Thanks. Bye now. Yeah, bye now. 
Well, it was a fascinating uh, conversation, Cindy, that you were only in on for a part of it. I know, but I think we could have added 20 more minutes to that <laughs> I, one. I think we could have, but I think we've got another guest coming up, I hope. Anyhow, I guess it's in here yet. But uh, um, uh, you're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll come back right after this brief break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. Music. 